Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Can we stand to our feet? Let's lift up our voice, lift up our hands. Invite the presence of the Lord to minister in this place. God, we love you. We thank you. We honor you. We bring our very best into this house tonight, God, to give you glory and honor because you're worthy, Lord. You're worthy of all the praise. I will bless your holy name. I will bless you at all times. And your praises shall continually be in my mouth. I will exalt your holy name. Come on, church. Magnify the Lord with me. And let us exalt his name together. Oh, you're great and mighty, Lord. You're marvelous. You're magnificent. You're holy. You're worthy, God. Be lifted high. Be lifted high. Be lifted high in this place tonight, God, because you're worthy. Thank you, Lord, for goodness and mercy. Thank you, Lord, for goodness and mercy. Thank you for your loving kindness that's better than life. Thank you for your faithfulness, your gentleness. Thank you for your long-suffering. Thank you, Lord, for giving us one more evening, one more opportunity to come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy. God, we come into this house tonight boldly. Oh, to seek your face and to turn from our wicked ways, God. And we know that when we do that, you'll hear us from heaven and you'll forgive our sins and you'll heal our land. God, we need forgiveness. We need healing. We need your strength, God. We need your counsel, Lord, your wisdom. We need understanding, Lord, would you visit your people tonight? And would you rest upon us tonight like a mantle and let every, let every yoke be destroyed by your anointing. God, we need your anointing tonight. Lord, we need your favor. Lord, we need your help. Clap your hands to the Lord tonight. We're going to magnify his name in song and in praise. And I encourage you tonight to let let go and let God have your very best. And let's honor him. Let's honor him with praise and adoration. We'll give you an opportunity to give us unto the Lord. Let's worship him in spirit and in truth.
once again, God. Let the wind of heaven blow into this house tonight. God, we need it. We want it. Oh, we're in need, God. We need your holy breath in this place tonight. We need your holy breath in this place, God. Breathe on us, Lord. Breathe on us, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. So wonderful to just stand in His presence. To stand in His presence justified. To stand in His presence covered. To stand in His presence and know and knowing what I know about Him, that He's good, that He's faithful, and that He has a love like none other. His love is like none other. There's nobody like you, Lord. Nobody like you, Jesus. If you have your Bibles, turn with me. Malachi chapter 1, verse 1. Give you all a few minutes to get there. I felt so impressed by the by the Lord to to go in this this certain direction tonight, and I believe the Lord is going to help us. Malachi was a very a very interesting instrument because. It's the last prophetic voice that Israel would hear before the 400 years of silence. And this, this book ends with a confrontation between disappointed, a disappointed God and disappointed people. I believe the Lord has led me to this for this specific moment. Verse 1, the burden of the word 
of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. Verse 2, I have loved you, saith the Lord, yet ye say, wherein hast thou loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother, saith the Lord, yet I loved Jacob? Verse 3, and I hated Esau and laid his mountains and his heritage waste for the dragons of the wilderness. Whereas Edom saith, we are impoverished, but we will return and build the desolate places. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, they shall build, but I will throw down. They shall call them the border of wickedness and the people against whom the Lord hath indignation forever. Verse 5, And your eyes shall see, and ye shall say, The Lord will be magnified from the border of Israel. Verse 6, A son honoreth his father, and a servant his master. If then I be a father, where is mine honor? And if I be a master, where is my fear? saith the Lord of hosts unto you. O priests that despise my name, and ye say, Wherein have ye despised thy name? Seven, ye offer polluted bread upon mine altar, and ye say, Wherein have we polluted thee? And that ye say, The table of the Lord is contemptible. And if ye offer, verse 8, And if ye offer the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? And if ye offer the lame and sick, Is it not evil? Offer it now unto thy governor. Will he be pleased with thee or accept thy person, saith the Lord of hosts? Now would you set your Bibles down and let's pray and ask the Lord to speak clearly to us. We may draw out of this what he desires us to receive. God, we thank you for your word that is forever settled in heaven. And we know that it's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And God, we're here tonight because we want you to help illuminate our path. God, would you bring understanding to your people tonight and would you bring understanding to me? I want to be your voice, God. Would you use me to speak to your people? I love you, Lord, and we're here because we love you, God, and we need to know what you would say to us this evening. God, would you give us favor and anoint our ears to receive the engrafted word which is able to save our souls that we could leave this place tonight with a greater understanding and awareness of what you require of us. In Jesus' name, Jesus' name, everybody I say amen. Amen, amen. Y'all may be seated. For a few moments this evening, I want, to, I want to minister from this subject, the price for a precious sacrifice. We know the book of Malachi well because it's the last book of the Old Testament. It's also the last prophetic voice Israel would hear for 400 years. Could you imagine living 400 years without the voice of the Lord? It would be living your entire life without the voice of the Lord. If I can't hear from Him for a few weeks or even months, I I start falling apart at the seams. I realize that if I don't spend time with him, my life starts looking like everyone else in the world who's barely hanging on. 
I don't believe that should be the posture of the child of God, is that we're just barely hanging on. I've been through some things, and you've been through some things, and we're more than conquerors. We're not just barely hanging on. We've got a God who has his favorable hand upon our life. We will soon realize that Malachi was a prophet to Israel when Israel was going through the motions, facing some difficult times while barely hanging on and questioning God. I know all of us have faced difficult times and wondered if we were going to make it out alive, questioning God, questioning His goodness. I know we've been in some situations where we found it hard to give God our very best. Have you ever felt like the wind was knocked out of you and it was hard to dig deep and find gratitude and find a praise? So the best you do is just show up and go through the motions. And you feel crushed. And then the preacher begins to say things like, The Lord loves you so much. And while you're sitting there feeling crushed, your response is, I'm not sure about that. The prophet Malachi began to deliver this word to Israel. And he began with the Lord saying, I have loved you. And here he is again reaching out with his voice to express his love. But you ask, but you ask this question, how, how have you loved us? As if there were no memories, as if there were no memorials to declare his love to Israel. How can you look back and say he never loved us and he never showed us his love? If you look back into your life and you see the memorials that you built, you'll see the love of God and how he's kept you and sustained you through it all. Even when you wander away, the Lord still has his eye on you. He still has his call on you. He still has his love for you. And when you come to yourself, there is grace and mercy. And when you come to yourself, the loving kindness of the Lord meets you when you don't deserve it. So how can you say, how have you shown us your love? This is a question that often enters our minds, doesn't it? When we question his love for us, we also question his goodness. His compassion. And if a person can become convinced God doesn't love them, they will become hopeless. The Lord reminded Israel, was not Esau Jacob's brother? Yet I loved Jacob. Are you not my chosen people who I have fought for and led out of bondage? Don't you remember Egypt and what I did to show you my love? 
when I heard your cry, I sent Moses to deliver you out of the hands of Pharaoh. Why? Because I love you. I hated Esau and laid his mountains and heritage to waste. And Edom said, we are impoverished, but we will return and build the desolate places. And the Lord said, they will build, but I will throw down what they build. What was he saying? Yeah, you might see the enemy looking like he's prospering. Uh, You can see the weapons formed. Uh, You can see them forming even right now. But listen, I'll tear them down. I'll tear down your enemy. Why? Because I love you. You are my chosen. And the text reveals how generations before Israel's questions, the Lord drove out the enemies for Israel and gave them freedom and led them to the land of promise that had everything they needed. And this was because of his love and because of his covenant. But we will see Israel's questions in these passages. And we will also see their conversation between them and the Lord. A son honors his father Uh, And a servant honors his master, but if I'm a father and if I'm a servant, where is my fear? Or where is my reverence? Why don't you have reverence for me? You reverence your natural father, but why don't you reverence me? It is your priest who show contempt or to disteem my name, but but you ask, how have we despised thy name? Verse Malachi 1 and 7, he offered polluted bread upon mine altar, and ye say, wherein have we polluted thee? You present a less than sacrifice and then say, how have we polluted you? How have we polluted the altar? That you say the table of the Lord is contemptible. How is it that we have polluted your altar? This brings us to one of the most dangerous places anybody could find themselves. How easy it is for people to think that what they are offering the Lord is pleasing and not polluting. We have been bringing our sacrifice. How is it not pleasing? How is it polluting? This is how. Whenever we are not satisfied with something, we kind of lose interest, don't we? When the church doesn't, doesn't line up to what we expect and what we wanted and what we hoped for, we're no longer satisfied. We're no longer interested. We might show up for a while and go through the motions, but we're on our way out. If a person can stand in a church house and become dissatisfied, they will no longer look at the, at the boundaries of holiness as, as, a, as a way to, to stay close to the Lord. They'll look at the boundaries of holiness as a way that's keeping them hostage. We can become disinterested in the church and lose out on what God has for us because we're only offering what we want to offer. 
This was Israel's history. They would begin to look at the other nations with envious eyes. They wanted to be like the other nations. But what they, what they didn't understand is no other nation could offer what the Lord God Almighty had promised. And that's so true today. There is nothing in this world that can offer you what God Almighty has promised you. Listen, he's promised us a place where he will be the light. He said that he goes to prepare a place for us. And when he comes back, he's taken us there. The world can't offer that. The world can't even come close to offering that. And time and time again, he proves himself to be faithful. He was the only one who was faithful. None of their ideas panned out. They always ended up in captivity and crying out for rescue. And the faithful God once again came to their rescue. He would always rescue them when they found themselves in a dangerous place. And you know what? For a time, for a time they would return to giving their best. Because that's how this thing started. Before Adam and Eve were removed from the garden, the Lord made them a covering from skins. Where did he get the skins? Genesis 3 and 21. Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothed them. We don't, we don't really know what the skins were, but what we do know is that they were covered with skins from an animal that was without blemish. This was a garden animal, a goat or a sheep. Not really sure, but it was perfect. This was a type of sacrifice that would be expected from this point on and ended when the spotless lamb slain from the foundation of the world said it is finished. From the garden all the way to Calvary, there was always a lamb. There was always a lamb in view, the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. The Lord knew man was going to mess up, and he made a way for redemption. He made a way for, for, uh, for his people to be saved, and it was at the cost of blood. Cain and Abel offered their sacrifice. Only one was pleasing. Abel Abel was a keeper of the sheep, and he offered the firstborn, and we can assume that, that it did not have any blemishes because the Lord was pleased with it. Cain offered vegetation, which can be acceptable and an acceptable sacrifice, but Abel offered blood, and that is what brings atonement. Cain might have looked for the least, but Abel looked for the best. If we fast forward to when Israel was in Egypt and about to be delivered from captivity, we see a very powerful type of Christ's sacrifice when we read in Exodus chapter 12. Beginning in verse 1, And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, Verse 2, this month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Verse 3, speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day, 
of this month, they shall take to them every man a lamb. Everybody say every man a lamb. According to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man according to his eating shall make your count for the lamb. Verse 5. Your lamb shall be without blemish. A male of the first year, ye shall take it out of from the sheep or from the goats, either one. But the, the key here, the key here is without blemish. Verse 6, and ye shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. They were to keep it for four days. They were to keep this, this lamb without blemish for four days. Before they killed it. They, they spent time with it. It became precious to them. It became part of the family. And maybe the children named him. And I'm sure on the 14th day there were tears when it was time to kill and eat. Why would God want us to connect to what he was going to require us to sacrifice? Because the sacrifice must be precious. It must be valued or it's not a sacrifice. We have to sacrifice what is valuable or it's not sacrifice. This was the problem with the children of Israel. You know, they were offering, they were offering sacrifices that were not pleasing. And we'll look at this in verse 8. Malachi 1 and 8. I'll read this to you in the modern English version. When you offer the blind as a sacrifice, is it not evil? When you offer the lame and sick, is it not evil? Offer it now to your governor. Would he be pleased with you or accept you, says the Lord of hosts? But now entreat God's favor that he may be gracious to us with such offerings from your hands. Will he accept you favorably, says the Lord of hosts. And verse 10, who is there among you who would shut the doors that you might not kindle fire on my altar in vain I have no pleasure in you says the Lord of hosts nor will I accept an offering from your hand from the rising of the sun sometimes we uh, we talk about this passage from the rising of the sun right to the setting of the same the name of the Lord is to be praised we think about that but in the context What he was declaring to his people was, you need to offer me more than what you're offering because from the go, from the rising of the sun, listen to how great I am. You can offer me these worthless sacrifices that cost you nothing. My name will be great among the nations, and in every place incense will be offered to my name in a pure offering. For my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. But you profane it in that you say the table of the Lord is defiled, and its fruit, that is, 
its food is contemptible. You also say, what a weariness it is, and you snort at it, says the Lord of hosts. You bring in what is stolen, the lame or the sick, thus you bring an offering. Should I accept this from your hand, says the Lord, verse 14, but cursed be the deceiver who has in his flock a male and vows and yet sacrifices to the Lord what is blemished. For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name is to be feared among the nations. When Israel, when Israel was in Egypt, they were told what what would save them, but they would have to offer something precious for the Lord to see it. And that's why he said, without blemish, you have to bring something to me that is without blemish. Exodus 12 and 7, and they shall take of the blood from a precious spotless lamb and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper door posts of the houses wherein they shall eat it. And verse 8, and they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. And verse 9, eat not of it raw nor sodden at all with water, but roast with fire, his head with his legs and with the pertinence thereof. And verse 10, and ye shall let nothing of it remain until the morning. And that which remaineth of it until the morning, ye shall burn with fire. This is how we must do it. You have to eat all of it in one night. You have to consume it all, and this is how you need to eat. Verse 11, and thus shall ye eat with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand. And ye shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. Eat it with the expectation that we are about to leave this place. We eat it with the hope that we're only here for a moment. The Lord is about to make a way for us. Verse 12, for I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. In verse 13, and the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where ye are. And when I see the blood, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Listen, that's why it's so important how we are baptized because the scriptures reveal that it's the name of Jesus that brings remission. And it also says without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. So the blood of Jesus is tied to his name. And when you're buried in his name, you're covered with his blood. And when he sees the blood... And when he sees the blood, come on somebody, and when he sees the blood, I will pass over. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. In verse 14, and this day shall be unto you for a memorial. And ye shall keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. Ye shall keep it a feast by an ordinance forever. Uh, the other night uh, I was uh, I was 
pondering on, on some passages that I have been reading. And it was the very next morning that the Lord met me. And it was such a strange encounter because I was reading through the book of Leviticus. And I, I will tell you what happened to me in that moment when I was reading what we're about to read. The Lord began to deal with me and I began to weep and I visualized. I had this, I had this image in my mind. I had this image in my mind of a, of a, of a person. At the time it was a man and he had, he had a hold of his sheep and he had, he had it locked into his grip and it was almost as if he took this thing serious that what I have to present to the Lord Lord must be without blemish. I got to watch over this sacrifice. I got to make sure that when I present this to the Lord, that it's not flawed. Uh, that I spent all that I could to keep the sacrifice ready for Him to be acceptable. Leviticus twenty-two seventeen, and the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, "Speak unto Aaron and to his sons, and unto all the children of Israel." And say unto them, Whatsoever he be of the house of Israel or of the strangers in Israel that will offer his oblation for all his vows and for all his free will offerings which they will offer unto the Lord for a burnt offering, ye shall offer it at your own uh, will, a male without blemish of the beeves of the sheep. Or of the goats, but whatsoever hath a blemish, that shall ye not offer, for it shall not be acceptable for you. And I began to think about all the times I've offered blemish praise, a blemish sacrifice I brought into his house. And I said, Lord, I hope this is acceptable to you. I'm bringing my half-hearted effort to honor you. I'm bringing my very least in here and expecting your best. Verse 12, or verse uh, 22. Blind or broken or maimed or having a wind or scurvy, or scabbed. Ye shall not offer these unto the Lord, nor make an offering by fire of them upon the altar unto the Lord. And, you know, there's, a, there's another uh, series of passages that we can look at. Second Samuel chapter 24 and verse 18. And Gad came that day to David and said unto him, Go up, rear an altar unto the Lord in the threshing floor of Ara. Yeah. Arauna. We'll just call it that for now. The Jebusite. And David, according to the saying of Gad, went up as the Lord commanded. And Aranua, Arauna. Arauna, looked and saw the king and his servants coming on toward him. And Arauna went out and bowed himself before the king on his face upon the ground. And Arauna said, Wherefore is my lord the king come to his servant? And David said, To buy the threshing floor of thee to build an altar unto the Lord that the plague may be stayed from the people. I'm coming to sacrifice. We get this image in our head. His whole purpose for buying this threshing floor was that he could bring a sacrifice to keep the plague back, uh, to keep uh, to keep this thing from 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 
uh, affecting, from harming the people. And uh, here we are again with this guy's name. They love writing this guy's name. Araunah said unto David, Let my lord the king take and offer up what seemeth good unto him. Behold, here be oxen for burnt sacrifice and threshing instruments and other instruments of the oxen for wood. And all these things did Araunah as a king give unto the king. And Araunah said unto the king, The Lord thy God accept thee. And the king said unto Araunah, Nay, but I will surely buy it of thee at a price. Neither will I offer burnt offerings unto the Lord my God of that which doth cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. And David built there an altar unto the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. So the Lord was entreated for the land and the plague was stayed from Israel. The Lord responded to David's desire to sacrifice. But, the, but it was the cost at which What is God going to honor in our life when we praise him? He's going to honor the cost of our praise. He's going to honor the cost of our worship. He's going to honor the cost of our sacrifice. But if we bring into his house blemished praise and a blemished sacrifice, it will not be accepted of the Lord. Let's stand. Ephesians 5 and 27 says that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. The thing we have to understand is that we are blemished. We are broken. We are bruised. We are Miserable. We are undone without the Lord. And it's not us, right, that's not accepted. It's what we offer the Lord that's not accepted. He will, he will accept us being broken and bruised and wounded, but he will not accept it if that's our praise and our offering to the Lord based on, if we praise God based on who he was, who, who he is and, and how much his worth is and not what we are because we're nothing, if we praise him according to his worth and what he did for us, we would offer our best. We would hold on to that sheep and say, this is what I'm taking to the house of the Lord. I'm going to watch out for the, for the places, for the ruts, and for the stones that might trip up my sacrifice, that might cause me to offer something blemish. I'm not going to bring to the Lord something blemish. I'm not going to pollute his altar. I'm going to present a sacrifice that's pleasing to him. Why? Because I, refuse to not give all because he's worthy of it all. Anybody in here feel the sting of this message? You feel the prick in your heart because you know you've offered, you've offered something to the Lord that he's worth way more than what you've offered him. I come in and I give him routine. I come in and I give him protocol. 
I come in and I give him obligation. But I don't come in with a sacrifice that cost me something. This is a moment for somebody to be true to themselves and say, Lord, I confess to you. I confess to you, Lord, I haven't always brought my best. But, Lord, I want to bring my best. I want to bring the sacrifice that is pleasing and acceptable to you. I want to give my life, Lord, because I don't want you to be disappointed. I don't want you to turn your face from me. I want to see the light of your countenance shining on me in my life. But that means I must bring you something that's acceptable. Anybody want to bring the Lord an acceptable sacrifice and ask Him for His help? Ask Him for forgiveness. Ask Him to cleanse you. Ask Him to help you with what you offer Him. If you don't offer Him your best, you need to pray until you are convinced that you need to offer Him your best. This altar's open.
and he wants it all. He's a jealous God. He will not share. No man can serve two masters. We're going to love one, and we're going to offer up praise to one. Oh, and we want it to be him that receives all we have. And he has every right to all because he purchased. He purchased us. We're no, we're no longer our own. We've been bought with a price, so we must glorify him in our body and in our spirit, which are both his. Everything that we stand here with belongs to Him. And what we get out of it is redemption. And what we get out of it is treasures stored up in heaven. And that means more to me than anything I've ever experienced. But I need to make sure that I never lose sight of that. Let's love him one more time. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, for your patience. I never want to offer you less than my best, God. Help us to offer our very best to you, Lord, with our giving, with our worship, with our praise, with our service, with the grace and the mercy that's been given to us. Help us to be good stewards with what you've blessed us with and that we would guard, we would guard our sacrifice. Make sure that whatever we offer you is pleasing. This coming Sunday, we will have the, the Andersons with us. We're looking forward to that. It's going to be a wonderful day. And uh, the Lord's going to speak to us, help us. And uh, God bless you all. I appreciate um, each one of you. And uh, we will see you all Sunday. God bless you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.